ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the crunchy take podcast and today uh, you may notice that the person to my left is not eric is not a dude i know this is a pretty sports-centric podcast and we've talked yeah no it's not we, we've talked about everything from basketball mma to chernobyl to some uh movies all nerd guy stuff right but today i have the privilege of having on your friend old well no not old she, she's not old yet not, not in my eyes not ever um <laughs> i have on alexis hale alexis how's it going going pretty man thanks for having me on your podcast <laughs> yep i've <laughs> as i said before I've, I've only been doing this for about two months but we we've had some pretty interesting um uh analytics pop up i don't know if you listened to the last one but i made a swift announcement that we were listened to we've been clicked on in 12 different countries um Dude. yeah 12 now only four of them really account for more than 20 percent of of uh list of viewership and um listenership if that's the word but no yeah we've we've come a little bit uh crossed about 700 listens as of yesterday uh hey I only expected about oh. 10 to 15 viewers on average. <laughs> and now we have yeah, accumulated for everything. Uh, it's been about 700 now. So, hey, thank you to whoever's listening so far. But no, today is about Alexis Hale. Alexis is a former uh, student at Taylor, as am I. That's where we, well, that's not where we met. Where we <laughs> meet, Alexis. What is your first memory of You're my of me? sort of boss. Oh, no, no, no. Way back in the day. You can't call me a boss. You cannot call me a... You can't. He was like, this is James. He's going to be your boss. And I was like, who is this kid? Did I ever strike you as a boss? Did I ever compose myself as a boss? Seriously I don't think me. you talked to me for like the first two weeks. I didn't actually. talk to you. How, how did I didn't talk <laughs> yeah. to you? Because I mean, I- like we were just in the editing room. We did like um stuff for podcast right so like you're mm-hmm. editing videos i was doing acquisition fake editing stuff as well all so these like, words are bringing back a lot like of ptsd totally for me oh uh, dude i know <laughs> well okay yeah so so for context yeah. we worked at a uh video editing slash music studio as i like to call it uh, one way that's out in aurora illinois credits to them props to them still love the people there but yeah so i worked as um intern video editor i was told that i'd be not the only one but lord and behold i get there and i work directly with uh, uh who's another dear friend of mine i met him at college uh daniel yeah. cool guy no did i really strike you I, I really didn't talk to you at all no here's the thing sorry if i'm i mean it was like three high schoolers got thrown in with like these two guys that are actually doing work and so it was like i didn't want to like disturb <laughs> you or daniel and then it just took a while for there to like for us to like actually talk to each other you know interesting well i don't think um do you consider that did you consider that actual work first of all like would you Everything, and I don't want to get into the politics of it, obviously, but like, do you, Yeah. you know, because, and I wanted to bring this up, honestly, this is a good thing we're on because where we're from or where we've, where in your case, where we've been, child labor laws are very, right. very, very interesting. 
You know, what you can allow a kid to do in Asia, I think is very different than America, you know? So, but did you, Yeah. so two questions for you right off the bat. Did you consider that actual work? Did you find it valuable? And two, what was actually your first job? All right. I'm going to do the first job question first because it's easier. I like my first job that I like got paid for is like nannying because I just have always been around kids and families. And so like parents would just trust me and be like, here's my child. And so I feel like that's my first job. Although some people probably wouldn't count it, but it was like, I would like watch these kids for like a full weekend. Like I'd like Mm -hmm. straight custody of them sometimes. So I'd count that. Um, And as far as like whether one-way ministries is work or not, I think that, I don't know that that actual internship part was, but I would still count it as work because of the hours that like I spent doing it. And like, I could have been going somewhere else to like get paid, right? I could have gone to Wendy's, whatever. And so I, I think that, and I also, I value like Percast and like the ministries that they have. And even so much that I, because it was just like, I mean, I was in high school for part of it. So it was like, I really was figuring out like what I wanted to do in life and what, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. So I, I would consider it in some aspects, but it, I don't know, even the culture there, they're not, they like work hard on projects, but it's not as ruthless as like Amazon or something where it's like, no, you're like just here to work. Like they really want you to like build friendships there and I don't know, do other mm-hmm. stuff. So. Yeah, and the reason I ask is because, you know, I work right now it's at a grocery store. You, I, I can't help but be jealous of American kids when, uh, when I find out that, way they can start driving on the road with a permit at <laughs> 16 or 15, okay? Where we have 14 been. 14 in some states. Okay, 14 in some states. Dude, that's eighth grade. You, you, you're at the Jeez. tail end of eighth grade. <laughs> Think of how on top of the world you have to be. At, at, at eighth grade in America, the ideal, I'm, t- I'm talking the suburban, white suburban, or not even white, but like the idea is you're 14, you know, you're just now experiencing this change in your body. Not only that, your mind is changing. You're thinking as a dude, you're thinking about girls differently. Okay. And then how much more power are you given your ability? You are able to work at a certain age, what, 15 or 16? That's the cutoff, right? Yeah. Okay. So th- I, it depends on what state you're in, but so you're able to work, drive, make money for yourself all as a teenager. That stuff I'm legit. I'm actually pretty jealous of, you know, I'm it's cause I think it, it you, you build yeah. so much character, even if it is something like one way where you aren't specifically getting paid, you still are doing hours, you know, it's cause where we have been, oh, yeah. where we have been, I'm from Thailand. Uh, you're from everywhere. Uh, you've seen just yeah. how much of an emphasis certain cultures put on education, but almost too much at a tipping point or whatnot. Um, so you spent a little bit of time or, okay, let's do this. 
what exactly is like can you give me the number of years and where you spent your time basically so i know hong kong is part of the narrative i don't know if bangkok thailand yeah. is part of the narrative at all but sure. yeah kind of give me the roadmap to where a little bit yeah yeah okay so born in washington state um i honestly don't know how long i lived there um let's say a year <laughs> And then I lived in a handful of states. So I lived in Kansas. I think we were kind of over on the Missouri line at one point. Um, I was a pretty little kid. So it's like we moved a few times in each of those states. Um, and then the most impactful move, I think, like for obvious reasons, is when I was 12, we moved to Hong Kong. So we lived there for two years and we spent... Um, I have an auntie and uncle that were living in Bangkok at the time. So we spent a lot of time in Bangkok nice. Um, nice. and just in surrounding uh, countries in Asia. Mm -hmm. um, and then and, um, in high school, I moved, moved to Chicago. So we lived in the city for a little bit. And then um, we moved out to Aurora, so like the suburbs. So mm -hmm. yeah, so I lived in Aurora for like four years, I think. Um, and then I moved to Taylor and then moved back. So I don't know if you want to count that or not, but no, I count that. I count that because that's you're kind of the, the list. I don't ever want to disregard Taylor for any student, even if you grew up in the Midwest it's because Taylor and let's just say Upland. Okay. That whole count Grant County and Marion. We're talking about <laughs> a very, very different Midwest than what a lot of Taylor kids surprisingly are used to. Would you yeah. say that's true? So like you go from uh, you Aurora, okay? Or Naperville or, you know, you name it, Carmel, Indiana. Then you go all the way up to Upland, Indiana and it's a completely different world. So even for people that, with like learned experience, with like learned, I'm sure there's an anthropologic, um, anthropology term here that I'm missing, you. Uh, socializing film. maybe i don't know sure like your social skills that you built up suddenly you go to this bubble essentially you know kind of like you know the nba has their bubble right now it's just a bunch of, it's literally just a bunch of millionaires uh, <laughs> playing basketball or whatnot it's, it's almost essentially the same thing you know just, and as a result of that christian christian campus culture kind of it, it's kind of formed out of that small kind of bubble experience yeah a lot of meshing of cultures but before we get to uh christian colleges so you said um a few years in hong kong then you moved back right so you're pretty much you're saying that your childhood years were all in pretty much hong kong or like in asia for the most part were a big portion of those years yeah so if you want to split it into like elementary school middle school high school mm -hmm. I had like elementary school in like Midwest, like um, kind of like a perfect Midwest life. Like we had a house and a few dogs and all my siblings, like we had a good time. And then um, to this tiny, tiny apartment in Hong Kong. So that's where I lived for like middle school, mm -hmm. like basically Hong Kong or like Asia. And then high school was like, then like after you figure out like who you are and who you want to be kind of, then I'm like thrown back into 
um, the Midwest and I'm supposed to already understand and know this culture when it was like, oh, mm-hmm. I totally don't. So I spent a whole yeah. class. I kid you not. Yeah, you, you know this already, but that whole class was centered around that feeling. Um, mm-hmm. It's a weird feeling. How like what, what are some key words you you? you you try to give to someone to try to understand how, what it's like living either as an expat kid or as a missionary kid. And I know this is like a big, this right here, what it's like to be a missionary kid or like a third culture, a TCK yeah. or whatnot. That is like the brunt. That's like the main theme of four years worth of morning dues. Hey, okay? uh, and for, yeah, <laughs> would you agree? It's like when, when, whenever I ask someone, Hey, so what is, what's, what has your experience been like? I, I can I can see it in their eyes, this like um this massive kind of PTSD, not even PTSD. What do you call it? Just it's like a burden though. Like just is culture it shock a and burden? um sometimes, yeah, I would say mm-hmm. um like a lot of confusion, but also it brings a lot of depth because I think um you're having to consider like there's like external culture where like what I listen to like music wise, what, how I dress, the language that I speak. Right. But then Mm. there's like the internal culture of like Mm. kind of like how I think I should be loved, how I think I should love other people. Um, What's right, what's wrong, honor, shame. Mm. um, Just like how you value education or like what you think success is. And so at a young age, you're like trying to understand like internally like your own culture and how you think about those things, but you don't really understand what they are. Mm-hmm. And then also you're trying to understand like the many people around you who are like conflicting to like what your maybe parents or role models. Um like my parents are Americans, right? So like I would perceive things or understand things would mirror how they understand or perceive things. And sometimes it would mirror like more of like my Asian friends or like the Mm -hmm. upbringing they had because of like things that influenced me and them, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. So there's just, there's a lot of depth that I think you can gain from it as well. But yeah, I would say sometimes it's a burden. I like the terms that you used, uh, external and internal culture. Uh, that I think that very accurate, for me, it accurately describes uh, the layers to which you experience. Is that like an is that like an actual like educational slash academia term that, uh, or is it just like something we've you made I on the spot? Know. I don't want, yeah I don't mean to put you on the spot, but like yeah that's a good way to describe it. So um, you got external culture, right? X and for our case, uh probably magnified by a thousand by the internet you know because so, if you have a youtube can if you've if you've looked at youtube if you were born you know in the mid 2000s or in the 90s and uh you grew up sort of without the internet but there was a certain point that the internet entered your life then everything changed every, suddenly every you know every it seemed like the world's youth was somehow united under <laughs> one banner without making it sound cheesy you know um with that being said do you remember like your first instances of like did you guys grow up with the internet or no can you describe what it was like if you did at one point didn't 
have the internet at one point? Yeah. Um, I think I very much grew up with the internet. I don't really remember not having it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think because we like moved a lot, um, we use Skype and FaceTime all the time to talk to my grandparents and extended family and friends. And so, um, I think that like, it's hard to have a long distance relationship with a child anyways. And I think it's like almost impossible, like without the internet, um, especially if the kid's like not writing, you know, you can't really like write letters or read. So, um, yeah, I would say that I, I pretty much just grew up with the internet. Mm -hmm. You grew up with it. What's your earliest, like kind of, so when you say grew up with it ever since you were like a toddler or like early years, below five years of age you guys were using skype whatnot because mm -hmm. skype was skype was a service like a legit video calling i mean as we yeah. know it today but it was the first you know it was kind of the first major one that was commercially available to people and you had to pay for it a lot you know yeah um i would say probably the first time i remember like using the computer consciously it was like um somewhere between 2003 and like 2006 mm -hmm. um i was pretty young <laughs> so i don't know if i like if that was just like the first time we had it or mm -hmm. if like we that's just the first time i remember you know so mm -hmm. that's why i would say like it's just always kind of been around yeah yeah, no, the reason I ask is because, again, we're talking about external and internal culture, right? The things that, uh, the things that we kind of have in common, yeah. even with people that, you know, grew up 8,000 miles around the world. So for me, um, what made it easier for me to transition to a place like middle of nowhere, Taylor was having a roommate that played the same video game as me, you know, whatever, you know, Super Mario, you name it, Bioshock, you name it. Um, yeah, it's weird because our generation, as every other generation has, you know, there are technologies and there are mechanisms that kind of make uh, each culture, each age different than the last. But it seems like somewhere in the mid 2000s, you know, somewhere, because the 90s, I talked about this with my cousin last time because I mean, he's 10 years. He's exactly 10 years older than me. You know, so he experienced high school right at the turn of the freaking century. You know, and me like 10 years later, but for whatever reason, 2000 and 2010 are completely different years. Like they're, they're aesthetically, technologically, very different. And so the mm -hmm. way we communicate is very different. Same. But if you were to take, you know, the 90s, 1990 and 1980. Yeah, there are some aesthetic differences, but the way people communicated with each other is pretty much the same. Um, right. And that's talking to a lot of older people, people that were teenagers then, you know, parents, they, they kind of, it all kind of blends into one, but there's this weird point. Um, and it really boils down to the year, you know, um, in the mid two thousands where things got crazy. It went from flip phone to this, you know, it went from, uh, it went from <laughs> CDs to MP3s. It went, you know, from MP3s to iTunes, um, 
Yeah, to iTunes, to LimeWire for for people that use that. Uh, and now we have Spotify. You know, um, yeah, it's an interesting study. So before you said you were in America for two years prior to Taylor, right? I think four. Four, four years. Okay. Oh, so you experienced mm-hmm. like a full. So my week. high school was like all, in all America. America. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, so back to the whole, like, kid, uh, child labor thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> did you have a job as a, as a teenager at all? Um, yeah, I guess it depends, like, what you would consider a job. Okay, okay, okay. Um, I think, I think... Do you mean, like, when I, I, I think... lived in the U.S. or, like, Asia or, like... Sure, let's go with Asia for a little bit. Did you work while you were in Asia? Like, because uh, you weren't a teenager for very long in Asia, in Asia, right? Like, you were, like, the beginning years of your um, teenage years were in Asia. And, like, if you said you did a whole high school experience in America, that's, like, at least, that's 15 and up, 14, 15 and up. Yeah. You know? So the formative right. teenage years, which are very important, you know? The formative years of your teenage life. You know, yeah. Think about it. Think about how much of, is formed in your head by the time you hit 14 or by the time you hit 13. You know, yeah. one, two, three years. You combine that. I, don't, I know I'm jumping between topics here, but you combine that with how much things changed in the mid 2000s. Yikes. You, you now, you know, <laughs> yikes, big yikes, you know? So, yeah, in, in a weird way, I think what I'm trying to ask is, like, did, um, was growing up in Asia that different for you than growing up in America, ev- considering everything we're talking about, considering the impact of the internet, and considering, like, the fact that you sort of grew up, if, you're, if we're talking about Hong Kong, that's a very international city. That's a country, city. That's right, a very technologically yeah. advanced city people don't know about. When they think about, <laughs> when they think about Asian countries and, you know countries that speak Chinese, a lot of the times the image, the mental image people think about here is all, oh, you know, they're, they're smart, but they don't have, you know, you've, you've probably gotten dumb questions. You, you probably haven't, but I've gotten questions like, oh, did you have Wi-Fi growing up? Like stuff like that, <laughs> where it's right. You know, like a cultural bridge. Yeah. But yeah. How much of that was, was true for you? Like, yeah. did you, was it that different? Was it really that different in your, in your opinion? Of course, it was different in a lot of ways. I think, um, like, obviously, technologically, like, my life just continued as I, like, I think I got my first phone, my little Nokia, when I was, like, in Hong Kong, because I was taking the MTR by myself, and, um, because, you know, like, I'm growing up, I had more freedoms now, so, Mm -hmm. like, more technologies were, like, given to me, or more responsibilities, Um, but there were some things, like, um so like we didn't always have like clean water running through our tap so Hmm. um like the technology is there and like it could be um accessed but it wasn't always like valued if that makes sense which is like it's kind of like a cultural thing i guess and so like there were days when like yeah the water was a little foggy or kind of red from rust or something so like we would have to use bottled water um Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of other differences. 
You know, that's not unique to okay. Hong and Kong also, at all. Keep going. What? Keep going. I, I was just about to say, that's not like, that's really not unique to Hong Kong at all. But I, I do understand. Right. There's, there seems to be this total... Because you come here, it took, it took me a little bit to get used. You know, because I spent 18 years. You know, I grew up in Thailand. I was, you know, right. all that. Right. It, it took me a hot second to, like, get used to the fact that people were using tap water for drinking. You know? Yeah. Dude, because you're taught, you're, you're, you're taught from an early age in, let's say, developing countries. Bangkok isn't exactly a developing city, but it's, it's rustic enough to where the sewage and the water treatments... And uh, all that, you're, you're taught to believe that that's somewhat not made for drinking, yeah. even though it technically right. is. It's like not it probably thing. is like right. not that bad at all. It's not that different from America. But the culture here is, oh, yeah, you want water in your water bottle? Go fill it up at the, <laughs> at, at the tap. The first Here's time the I was sink. told that. Yeah. yeah, the first time I was told that was at um, Thanksgiving. I spent Thanksgiving up in Fort Wayne. And it was pretty much the same thing. Yeah, I'm thirsty. You yeah. guys have any water? I'm like, oh, all right. This is how it is now. It's just like flipped in my brain. When I went back to Taylor, I stopped like when I went back to Taylor after Thanksgiving. This was my freshman year. I stopped using the water fountain. I just went straight to the freaking kitchen and went back to my room. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Hey, shoot. If it's all the yeah. same thing, bam, go for it. Even plus points if you can get a Brita. Yeah. Um, interesting. Running water. You still remember also, that, like, huh? Those keep are visual in mind, memories. I... Yeah. I don't know. Um, I also... There was, like, the huge culture clash of, like... I, in Kansas, I was living in, like, a suburb. Yeah, and so I went from a suburb to, like... Now I'm in, like, one of the largest international cities in the world. Mm -hmm. And so, like, all of a sudden, like... Diversity is, like, at a whole nother level, right? Like, I live in a French community and like across the street is like the Korean club or, you know, so there's just like so many. This is, uh, you're talking about Chicago, right? Or are you talking about Illinois? You're talking Hong about Kong. Hong, Hong Kong. Kong. Okay. 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 So like from Kansas to Hong Kong. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. How do you define diversity? So, I mean, There's so many ways. I know there's so many ways to um, go, but let me let me let me shoot you my spiel. Because when people yeah. say diverse, I don't know if they're talking about them being the minority or it actually being diverse. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah, some, yeah, something no, that I irks really me. mean like diverse, like mm -hmm. racially, um, economically, religiously, mm -hmm. um, nationality-wise, like that. Very much the experience of like. Mm. My like close group or my community, there were pretty much every religion represented, several different countries represented, so many languages represented, different races represented. And mm -hmm. so that's like what I think of like when someone says diverse and then like but I think that okay. in America that usually means like, oh, we have like four people who are not white and so we're diverse now, which I do yeah. not agree with. <laughs> I don't agree with that at all, but I'm, I think for me, I grew up in a pretty homogenous society, um, which, you know, if you're part of the majority and for a while, that was how I viewed diversity, you know, different backgrounds, beliefs, uh, everything from ethnicity or whatnot, but something changed and it always kind of irked me whenever I went to 
um, whenever I was at Taylor and someone would say, oh, this is one of the least diverse places I've ever been. Despite the fact that I'm a minority, I'm, I'm now a minority uh, at the school. What kind of bothers me yeah. about that statement the most is that you're totally disregarding everything else that, you know, because it, it kind of harkens back to what you're saying, you know, all oh, four people that aren't white. You can put a bunch of black students and Asian students at a school that don't make it diverse, you know, because they can all kind of think the same way. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, there, there seems to be. So you're saying like more of like the internal yes. culture diversity, which I, yeah, that's, that's a brilliant way to pull it, put it, uh, internal culture thing, because that's the kind of thing that really the internal. So what do we can, man, man, you got me, you got me thinking a lot about internal. What, what, what is internal culture for, for you? Uh, oh. That's a big question. No, like, because how, how can we use that to define diversity? And the reason yeah. I bring it up is because, like, it really bothers me. It really bothered me when I was at Taylor and someone said this place isn't diverse. Because I know, okay, I know it's predominantly white. But there are some very, very different people here. And I can't, put, I can't quite put a mm. finger on the term that describes someone's beliefs and characteristics, but not exactly, like, their values. Well, no, or maybe I am describing their values, you know, because you can take, okay, I, I was on Broho. Okay. It's no secret that yes, it is probably the most rambunctious, but at the same time, a very fun loving group. They were very <laughs> different people. They, on one floor, I'm just using them as a Petri dish, by the way, you, you got right. very different personalities, but then like you'll have student, you'll have res life and you'll have, uh, different organizations at the school putting all white people under one category you know that yeah. pisses me off so much because there's no way you can tell me that you know x and x x and z are the same people mm. you know yeah i don't know right. maybe it's just a yeah. me thing because you know being me being a minority now i see more i i often joke with people that taylor is the most diverse place <laughs> i've ever been <laughs> you know because no one else thinks <laughs> like me no no uh, well not a lot of people yeah i think that's what i'm getting at alexis yeah you know, a college is a place where you go to be confronted with other people people that think differently than you in a bubble you know right yeah yeah i think very interesting you might disagree with me on this um but I, at least from my experience, I feel like Taylor in a lot of ways um, was a place that tried to both celebrate differences yet mold mm -hmm. everyone into having very similar ideas. And so that really? just kind of like clashed or um, pushed people to like hide it when they felt like they had different ideas. So like there would be people like to use... Um, drinking alcohol for an example um obviously it's it's not allowed in the ltc right so like people at taylor they don't drink alcohol ever but if you like talk to them about their experiences of like okay did you grow up in a family where your parents drank alcohol did mm -hmm. you grow up drinking alcohol with your parents then all of a sudden it's like a subject that people felt like they needed to whisper about and be like oh well yeah, like my parents have a glass of wine at dinner and like, I, but 
like we don't like tell her you know and so they're like almost mm -hmm. um sort of like a there are taboo subjects or like taboo um beliefs almost sure. that like i felt like some people although they were different and they're very much like outside of taylor they acted differently than like someone who believed that like alcohol was like the greatest sin ever mm -hmm. right but um there's almost like a weird like sometimes there's freedom to talk about those differences and sometimes in some settings i felt like it was like more of a pressure to like fit into this um polished christian mold um mm -hmm. okay and i i understand that that might be like offensive and hard to hear and I don't I, it's like a generalized statement like I don't think everyone is guilty of putting pressure on people to like fit into that mold but I definitely felt like it was an aspect that was there at least mm -hmm. in my experience no yeah um I guess that never really got I never felt the pressure to to conform you know because I never went out of my way to can I put this on record yeah I never went out of my way to drink until I was 21. You know, like I, the thing right. that always got me about that rule was the fact that was this core belief, you know, me and my cousin and a bounty of other people have joked about, but whenever you tell a group of people, you can't do something, what are they going <laughs> to do? They're going to do it. Now think about yeah. the psychology of it for a second. If, if Taylor or any Christian institution didn't mention it at all would it be that big of a problem i uh, they'd for sure have other problems problem in this nation like but I, the stigma I, I was just using it as an example right yeah no i yeah. i often try to it's so weird talking about college experiences with people at least for me it was weird at first talking about uh college experiences with people that went to like secular or secular like uc davis or uc berkeley my cousin <laughs> you know i have a cousin goes to uc berkeley i visited her and i yeah i visited her went to a couple of frats or not check them out dude the culture is so different but what i don't get yeah. is the overwhelming sense that everyone is cooped up and horny like they are at christian <laughs> campuses i'm not gonna sugarcoat it i i am i'm firmly of the belief honestly that Christian campuses, some people may get offended at this. I don't care. I think they're way hornier. They're way more pent up than these other <laughs> colleges that just like, now it's not to say like other colleges are like the archangel or whatnot. It's just like, wow, you know. Right. But I think there is something to be said about the whole um, culture of telling people what they can and can't do and how this relates to internal culture or whatnot. Right. I guess it never bothered me. Um, in a sense that I never felt like I had to conform because I was already very mm -hmm. different to begin with. You know, people, I used to have this thing where I'd look at a bunch of, you know, some people are very patriotic on Burho. I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to be very frank, you know, no way, very I'm patriotic. Shocked. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Shock. <laughs> I'd have people, several people coming up to me, James, do you think America's the greatest country in the world? I'm like, I don't have an answer for you there. You know, like. <laughs> I have two passports. Yes, America's great because my parents met here. I wouldn't be born if it wasn't for America. Um, you know, and I've often, you know, you see the flag freaking behind me. I never used to have that. But I remember thinking, you look at all these people with flags or whatnot. 
you know, on their doors, you know, wherever. It used to always dawn on me, I don't ever need to have one in my room, ever. You know why? Because the flag is my skin color, you know? So in a way, I never felt this pressure to conform the Christian to, the, to what you're describing. Probably because I felt so different already coming in. And yeah, I guess the point that I'm trying to make here is that there's more... I, in a weird way, do you think the demographically white students deal more with this problem than like the international students do? Or like the... Yeah. Yeah, let's compare that, for example. Do you, do you think you felt oh. that pressure more? Because A, because you actually fit the mold. You actually fit your description but b is because there are certain expectations that you put on uh people of different cultures or whatnot whether or not it's racist whether or not we you know knowingly do so you know yeah i mean like we've talked about this before and um just the discussion of like you are from thailand and you look thai so like there's a certain expectation of like of you to like have um a different experience than maybe someone who like grew up in fort wayne um but i grew up in many different places um i was exposed to many different languages and ideas and cultures and i look and sound very american and so people have this expectation of me to have very similar Mm -hmm. suburban experiences that they have and some suburban experience i don't and so there's like a conflicting Hmm. yeah suburban experiences alexis what is a suburban experience (laughs) what 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 are some of the external uh aspects external culturistic aspects of suburban of the suburban experience because guess what i'm trying to learn it why because i live in in a suburb right now so i'm trying to figure out these people you know okay if you're living if you're living like a good suburban life um i would say like you've probably been to a lake house maybe before um you probably have access to a car that you and your family can drive yourselves interesting um oh this is so interesting isn't like super um great or like around or ready for you to use yes um oh you're singing music to my ears right now keep going you probably were able to um i don't know they're probably more like chain restaurants rather than like street food kind of restaurant vibes if you're like outside this is so scary um It's all like based off of my experience. So, um, you probably went to school and you grew up with like hanging out with a set group of people your whole life. So, you watch each other kind of grow up, and there's like you have history with people, like Mm -hmm. roots. Um, what else? Um, yeah, I guess, and it probably. It depends too on like what suburb you're in because obviously like there are richer suburbs and there are like poorer suburbs so probably if you're part of a rich suburb like 
you would go and buy new clothes at the end of every semester or the beginning of summer or um i don't know so that you're always having like the best style Interesting. a lot of like people have told me like have these like christmas traditions um of like having a lot of different gifts or hmm. um yeah, i don't know this is it, all of this is based off of my experience and my that's terrific like, i love that you mentioned that the suburban the suburban experience because yeah. guess what i grew up in a suburb in bangkok and let me tell you it's nothing like what you just described it's you know i feel like right so the term the term suburban yeah i like that you mentioned you know how there there are richer suburbs and yes there are richer suburbs in, in bangkok but it seems like the image that comes to mind when we think about um when we think about white or not even i'm sorry not white suburbia america you know suburban america <laughs> we think about the family you watch ozark No. All right. Really well, mm. ironically enough, yeah, it's a show on Netflix. It's about a suburban family that gets mixed up with the Me Mexican cartel. I don't want to spoil it. It's actually a pretty good show. But yeah, they're from Naperville. And the image that they show of them at the very beginning of the show, like episode <laughs> no one, episode one, Naperville, Illinois. I'm like, I, I watched it and I had almost like a flashback to whenever me... And the boys would go to uh, a grocery store in Oswego or anywhere. I'm like, man, I've seen that guy before. I've totally seen that guy before. I've seen that girl before. Yes, she's carrying a, a, a coffee cup of some kind, you know, like in. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting to <laughs> see American suburbs versus suburbs in other parts of the world, you know, because suburbs do exist, you know, in. Right. Thailand, for instance, but they're a lot smaller. They're actually like these small little suburban, at least for Bangkok, it's like these small pockets of people that, you know, are wealth, not wealthy, but like they, it's, it's higher economic housing, basically, you know? And that to mm -hmm. me was the weirdest thing because I didn't know how much I had. I didn't grow up poor, but I didn't grow up rich at the same time. International students. Right. Are like are this mixed bag of people. That's why when when people ask when when they come here and they see like a lot of political upheaval, they see a bunch of political slash economic debates going on. International students, I think, sometimes really struggle with that because they don't really have a frame of reference as to how the even the whole Republican and the Democrat thing. Yeah. That took me years to uh, kind of read. Dude. That took me years to read between the lines because on the outside looking in, I would say 90% of people would say that Taylor is, is Republican. How false can, can you get? You know, like, you know. Oh, so false. It is so false. Um, yeah. And I, all that to say, yeah, I think for me, like, it, it's, it's interesting to see, um, to observe how that was a kind of, common mutual ground for a lot of people that went to that campus because a lot of people for better or for worse you know these people can't afford college you know and i don't think you should be ashamed of it you know I, if i i felt like at um at a school like taylor i can't speak for other schools but a school like taylor a lot of people kind of they were ashamed 
that they were from white suburban America or whatnot, or sorry, I don't mean to describe white, but like predominantly white area, you know, suburban area. And I felt at Taylor, there was this like kind of unspoken shame that you were from privilege, that you, un, you know, you weren't in control of any of it, you know, nothing was in your control. And yet somehow diversity is supposed to make you feel ashamed of your background. Did you ever feel that at any point in time? Um, I know I'm putting a lot on you, by the way, but it's just like speaking to you and you talking, yeah. you bringing up the suburban <laughs> experience. For me, it really kind of, whoa, like, so this is what, you know, what people at, um, what a lot of people grew up with. And for some reason, when they went mm-hmm. to Taylor, they sort of tried to hide all of this stuff by drinking or they tried to do a lot of it, you know, by kind of rebelling against yeah. the image that they came in with. Whereas for me, when the image I came oh, in with was just this international student who, yeah, you know, I didn't grow up poor, but at the same time, I've seen things, you know, I'm lucky enough to have come here. Yeah. And, you know, that's why international students are this weird breed where they don't, when you see, I mean, Taylor, they're doing a march right now for, this is going to date the podcast, but they're doing a march for Jacob Blake, you know, I'm not even going to tr- address that, like that, the facts of that case still have to be reviewed, but I bet you. I'm willing to bet you that not a whole lot of like international students, at least from Asia, I can only speak from Asia. I can bet you not a lot of them are participating and it's not because they don't sympathize. It's because they don't have a frame of reference, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think because I've moved so much, would say my experiences are sort of like fragmented Mm. and so um there were times that like i would say i like was a part of and got to experience like the white suburban america i don't know just that experience and then there were times where that was not my experience at all Mm. so that kind of left me like people had an expectation of Mm. what kind of story i should have then when I had a different story, um, I almost felt like a, a faker for a lot of it because really? they'd be like, oh, well, like, yeah, because it was like, oh, you lived in Hong Kong? Mm-hmm. Well, how long? Oh, whatever. Like, oh, you lived in, like, Kansas? How long? Oh, only a few years. Like, you don't really, you didn't really get the whole experience. Or, like, you lived in Chicago? Like, Interesting. oh, like, the city or the suburbs. And so it was like um, most people, they, like, are lucky enough to live in the same place for their entire lives and so they have like a full experience so i felt like i had i have grown up with a lot of partial experiences mm-hmm. so i can only partially relate to everyone and vice versa people can only usually partially relate to me oh, which I, I, like is my normal so it's not like oh. a big deal or anything but mm-hmm. i think that it's it's usually like this weird thing of like don't worry I get it. I get it that you don't get it, but I also know that you won't get it. If that makes sense. That does make sense. But that, that kind of Alexis, that kind of breaks my heart because <laughs> I, I don't know how, how it is for, well, I do kind of know how it is, but at least for dudes. Okay. If you want to know why we're into video games like that, or why a lot of people are into video games, it's precisely because of that. You know, you can go from, you can go from Bangkok, to Indianapolis. Hey, if two guys have grown up, have sort of played Counter-Strike or League of Legends in high school, 
guess what? They have a bonding experience right off the bat, which is why I think external culture is so important. You know, it all almost to the point where it blends into internal culture. It can lead to internal culture. Yeah. You know, um, what I, I've, I've tried to figure it out for, I've tried to put a finger on it for a long time though, but what are those mechanisms for women at, at schools? Um, because like, like any college, I'm not just speaking for Taylor now, like any college, like you're going to have to have some sort of similarity, you know, cause experiences, um, and grownups or not even that, but like your childhood experience and where you grew up, that's like the least interesting thing. Once you get to school, you know, you, you ever <laughs> find that you honestly, yeah. you know, like the, yeah, the, the, everyone you, forgets it. It's like, what's your major? Where are you from? Okay, yeah. whatever. No that big, tall Jamaican kid that plays basketball for school. I'm, t- you know, not to think solo him out or anything. He's so tired of telling people, yeah, I'm from Jamaica. You know, I, 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 uh, I play basketball. I'm tall. You know, what's more important? You know, what actually <laughs> is going to bridge that gap is, hey, man, what do you think of the Pacers last night? Oh, I think they totally suck. They should trade this player. What? Boom, 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 boom. Fireworks. You know? Right. Whether or not it's American yeah. culture for dudes, I think it's a lot easier. You know, they can bond off music, they can bond off video games, they can bond off guys are Alexis. If you don't know by now, guys are very simple. They're simple. If they see one spark that they connect with, guess what? They're gonna it 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 it's enough. You know. Yeah. But women are not yeah. simple. So in a no, long-winded no. way. Long-winded way. What are some mechanisms that uh, women international kids like yourself use to relate to people here, but in a way that wasn't weird? You know, in a way that kind of clicks. Because people, once people find a clicking point, it's kind of yeah. like they can they can go from there. You know. Yeah, I mean, I think there's always like just it just so much depends so like i Mm -hmm. really like being outside i really like sports like Mm -hmm. running like i like playing sports i don't watch sports let me clarify that since this is like a sports podcast i know nothing about it um i think you do so i mean i think america usually we um relate based off of what we can do together like and so you can build an experience, whether that's like driving to church on Sunday, right? Like that was a huge way that I got connected with my floor. Cause I was just like asking really? all of them for rides. And then all of a sudden okay. it was like, they, like they had talked to me cause we were in the car for 30 minutes on the way there. And on 30 the way back. minutes, where did um, you go to church? Dude, I went to so many churches. I went to common way for a long time. And then, I don't know. Okay. Okay, so um, drives to church. All right, that's so time spent together. Okay. Yeah, so I think time spent together is like pretty um the way that women can connect. Interesting. I don't know. I feel kind of weird speaking for all women. No, of course <laughs> you don't. I don't speak for like there's some guys that are into uh rock climbing. Bro, that that ain't me. <laughs> you know there's some guys that are into um you, you mentioned i don't know why this popped into my head but when you mentioned oh if you grew up in a suburb odds are you went to the lake house yeah mm-hmm. bro like i didn't 
I don't own a boat. I'd like to, but I don't own a boat. Or there are things that a lot of guys, you know, the, the guys pick and choose just like women do. But it seems like for right. guys, it's a lot simpler. Because even if it's, hey, man, do you like flaming Hot Cheetos? Yeah. Oh, wow. It, it, like, guys are so stupid. They'll, they'll use that as, like, a kind of starting point, <laughs> you know, to kind of cat right. paw. But I feel like with women, it's so much, it's hard. And I, I know this kind of from talking to, to girls yeah. who have gone from overseas to, um, and try to mingle with, uh, you know, with, with their American classmates. And a lot of the times, I think for Asians in particular, I can't speak for other races, but if you go to any other college, because at Taylor, you're kind of forced to, you're kind of forced to mingle. You're kind of forced to, as an Asian, you, you got to get out there. Most of your friends are going to be white. You had better, you had better make friends with these white people and black people and Latino people and not just stick with the Asians. Otherwise, you're going to have a really boring time. That's not the case when you go to other colleges. Other colleges, it's, it's really like a, I don't want to say segregated. That's not the right term at all. But I don't know. It's like I, again, you know, seeing a place like UC Berkeley, which I know is very Asian. Um, it's weird. In a weird way, I think, Coming to a school like Taylor is even more valuable culturally for your development than, say, going to a large school like that. Because my gut instinct as a freshman probably would have been to hang out only with people that look like me, you know. But I'm so mm-hmm. glad that wasn't yeah. the case for me. I'm so glad that God sort of forced me out, of, <laughs> forced me out of my comfort zone very early on. And hey, <laughs> you you found deep emotional connection. You know, it's for guys, it'd be, it's yeah. obviously sports. You know, I played basketball, a bunch of basketball freshman year, maybe a little too much. I had to stay around for six years. Um, is like, I can't help but notice coffee. What is it, Alexis, um, with, uh, with, 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 with the suburbs and their um, love of coffee? caffeine addiction and i'm talking and Uh, i'm I'm asking this question as a former (laughs) as a former barista and as a former coffee shop manager like a shift manager what is it with with, with this coffee craze when did that start because i know you you've been having coffee since you were three you gave your brother coffee your younger brother coffee yeah when he was a toddler what is going on there yep um I think, okay, two things. There's, like, the the culture of coffee, like, maybe in this country in this time, and also, like, the culture of my family. But sure. um, I think the, the idea behind this coffee culture here, because, all right, I'm just going to expose it. Like, Starbucks is fake European coffee. So... Like, oh, don't say really that. Really? A simplified. No, no, it, it really is. Because a simplified. But the beans of, are like, from Europe. Starbucks the beans are from. Be. The beans' origins yeah, yeah, are yeah. actually from Europe. But what are you saying? I'm saying, like, an American went over to Europe and enjoyed um, all of the cafes and how it oh, brought okay. about, like, community. Okay. And people would come in and be able to sit there, right? Like, this cafe experience, right? Mm-hmm. And then brought this, like, Starbucks over, right? And, like, created mm-hmm. their own cafe. Um, but obviously, it's, like, 
the, the flavors have been changed to be Americanized, right? So that Americans would enjoy it. So and by flavors you mean like sugar, it's a lot sweeter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. yep. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I think I think it's just the experience, this idea um, mm. that we don't really make time for people, right? Like, how often do you walk past someone and you like don't like it? Would it would be culturally inappropriate to like if you're walking in downtown Chicago, if you see someone to stop by and be like, "Oh, how's your day? What's going on?" Like to like actually talk to them as if you wanted a friendship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you like meet them in a cafe then like it's acceptable for you guys to meet there in a public place that's not your home to build a friendship and so i think that's just encouraged and especially at taylor it's very very encouraged like oh you want to make a friend with someone like take them to the bean like whatever go to this cafe or do this so that you like have something to like go Mm. to or an objective or a purpose that you can slow down enough to actually like like talk to the person beside you and actually like get to know what they're about not just like their view in this one specific class so i think coffee is just a front Hmm. um for relationships like i think the whole idea is to form relationships and to be able to like be with people Mm -hmm. um but because this culture is such a success-based culture um like feel guilt slowing down and doing nothing or just like having the purpose being like oh i just want to like get to know you like that feels like too serious or like strange or foreign um yes that's my take on that i had a place like taylor whenever you said oh hey let's get coffee and you tell your friends that that was what you told a girl they gave you help you know um <laughs> honestly but no that's a really good answer i never I, ne- I never took that into consideration because okay i say i ask these questions concerning coffee coming from a guy who grew up my dad loves americanos i don't know what it is it's just like four <laughs> shots of espresso with freaking hot water this dude loves it so much he, he so good i know it's good okay yeah. now i know you know, having worked now in coffee, know. now I know. And it's like, okay, but I'm not going to, it's not, I'm not going to get a latte every day. I can, my body can't afford that. Like I, my body's, it, you know, if I have a latte today and tomorrow, wow, dude, milk and sugar, it's not good. no, but I just worked at this in the time that I worked at the coffee shop, man, there were kids, there were I guess kids are one thing, but there were old people coming in every day asking for like a frappuccino with a double shot with some extra whipped cream. Like, dude, you know? Yeah, I don't know. But, you know, that's a really, that's a great answer. Honestly, I never, I never considered the whole social aspect and kind of. Okay, that being said, though, how many times did you visit the Starbucks at Taylor, like near Taylor, right off the 69? Uh, did you ever go? Was that a thing that girls did? Because I knew that was a lot of girls did, but did oh, you? Oh, for sure. Yep. Um, I had some meetings there. I you had meetings there. Didn't Yeesh. have a. Um, yep. Another thing, girls, when things go wrong or they're annoyed, there there have has to be meetings. So I had some of those. 
I wish guys were like We're not going to talk about them. But No. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> we're not going to talk about them. But what do you mean when girls want to hash things out? So when you're saying kind of like how guys have like a call out. Yeah. And then they'll go and confront them later. Like girls, have, what do you mean by meetings exactly? Um, If there was like some kind of conflict, there would usually be a meeting of like, hey, this is what happened. Um, this is how it made me feel. Okay. I'm confused. And like, I think that, I mean, obviously it's a generalization to say that girls are more emotional, but like for the sake of like understanding, I think like, yeah, girls are usually more emotional. So, um, if there's some kind of like, um, strong negative emotion between two girls on the floor, then there's like, it's just total breach of trust and then without trust it's like you can't like coexist like you can't just like brush your teeth next to like no this has to be like resolved and whether it's like in a petty way of like i'm gonna get you back or like in a more mature way of like can we just sit and talk about this because i really need to understand and i need you to understand so that i can forgive you and move on type of thing so i don't know i would have starbucks like if we were i didn't have a car man so like, hey, still don't. bro. I mean, sister, I still don't have a car. <laughs> you know, no, I, I, no, I get it. No, but here's the thing: guys are the exact same way. They really are. The only difference is how they yeah. execute. That's it. But I feel like the method of execution for guys is completely different. Like yo, you guys are meetings. Okay, that's what you describe it as. Us, yeah, we, we it's a little different. Uh, like, and sometimes we won't even address it. This you'll just say, okay, that guy's different yeah. than me. He, you know, we rubbed each other the wrong way. And okay, I'll just leave it at that. I'll respect him. Right. Won't even address it. What happens as a result yeah. of that? Snowball, 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 snowball until it becomes stupid petty. And I have to. Address I mean, it. like that's just part of maturity. Like, yeah, that is. Sometimes, that is. like. And, and discernment like sometimes you could like call someone out for something and then it turns out to like really not be a big deal but like mm-hmm. other times you like just ignore it and ignore it and ignore it and then you're like three years later like what what's going on here you know oh gosh that three mm-hmm. years later part it sounds like you have ex- man okay that's interesting <laughs> <laughs> because you know it, yeah. it really can manifest in certain ways Man, all this from me asking, what's the deal with coffee? That's <laughs> getting in some juicy tidbits. So you went there quite a lot. I never went there. Never. Always drove by. I think for guys, coffee, okay, sure, is one thing. Like, especially if we're meeting a girl, it, it, it might be a pretty mutually easy way to do it, right? But for guys, hey, man, if a guy invites you, Okay, and I, I can really only speak demographically from Sammy, okay? Or, yeah. But if a guy invites you to Waffle House at, like, Goo God's Hour of the Night or, like, IHOP, Goo God's Hour of the Night, <laughs> guess what, girl? That boy love you, you know? <laughs> so It's a date? Yeah. No, it's not even a date. He just wants you around. That's, like, that's beyond their, yeah. a- their aspect of the day. He, he wants you to... He's okay... Letting you see him in his element with other dudes, you know. Yeah. So in 
knowing that, knowing I just said that to you, what is that equivalent for girls? Is that is there an equivalent for girls where like it's past the point of I just want to, you know, I'm trying to date you and I hey, I just want you to see me I'm my element. I like you so much. It's like I'm not even I'm not I'm I'm not pretending anymore. You know, this is who I am. Hang out with my guys. I think you're cool enough. Something like that. So maybe yeah. not quite dating, but also not friend zone either. It's like, hey, yeah, I want to date you eventually, but you know what? Like, you're you're so cool. Come eat Waffle House with us, and we'll shit talk a bunch of professors. You know, <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. Maybe it's some Waffle That's House. That's a really know. good question. But yeah, what is that equivalent for girls? What, what? How do girls reveal themselves? To that is not an. Oh, that's not a PG question at all. But uh. <laughs> How do girls reveal themselves to guys? I think that girls, there's not as much stigma of like, I feel like I could be off, but I feel like there's like guys sort of have this like macho, like when they are like known by everyone to like this girl, they're almost perceived as like weaker. Like, I don't really know, but they like try to hide it. And I feel like girls don't hide it as much. Are you kidding really me? You, you don't think just... girls hide it as much? Really? Do you think girls hide it? Well, okay. When I like a guy, I just straight up tell him. So I don't. Maybe I'm just uh not good at being a girl. Jeez, but... you're the oddball <laughs> out. Every other instant, it's like guys have to guess. It it it's yeah. it's um it, you know it is very different per person. You know? But um, uh, that's true. It, it I I feel like. No, I can't even chalk it up to a place like Taylor. Because guess what? Every every person who's like 18, between 18 and 22, you can kind of tell. You know, there are lots of mature 18-year-olds to 22-year-olds. But you can tell, you know. Mm-hmm. I say that, how old are you? You're, you're, tw- you're five years younger than me, aren't you? You're 20 right now, aren't you? I'm 20, yeah. My bad. Yep. Anyway. Um, kind of bridging off of that. Let's go back to external culture for a second. Music, okay? That's um, I you know I had a pod with my cousin last week, and we were talking about how music is kind of this time machine. Um, can you let let's let's play a fun little game here for a second? Can you kind of so your high school years, okay? You have to pick one track. One music track or one or two. Doesn't have to be the best, doesn't have to be particularly your favorite, okay? Um, and I'll go first, obviously. Uh to to make it easier for you. Name one track per high school year that like dominated the year. Yeah. So in in, in a weird yeah. <laughs> long winded way, uh your freshman year should have been 2014, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So you got four years of high school. I want you to pick a song from each of those years that defines the year. Okay, so I'm going to go first, just to give you some time. Fresh, year. Freshman year for me would have been, uh, we were right off Step Up 2, so T-Pain's Low. If you, T-Pain and Florida Low, if you know about it. Okay. Sophomore year. Mm-hmm. Uh, has to be DJ's Got Us Falling in Love Again by Usher. 
Gosh, oh. yeah, yeah. For you, that might be middle school or freaking elementary, depending on yeah the time. Um, yeah, yeah. Just judging by the reaction, I think you know what that song is. Uh, junior year. Yeah, it must have been um, freaking. Uh, junior year is kind of foggy for me, but uh. <sighs> Let's just say Rocketeer by freaking um, uh, Far East Movement. You might know that as well. Maybe. I don't know. And then uh, mm-hmm. Senior Year. This is the one I hate the most. Gangnam Style. Because, uh, th- yeah, in 2013 yeah. or 2012, <laughs> 2013. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, like that was the main style. thing. And whoop, see. Whoop. Yep. No, please. <laughs> uh, yeah, they made me. As a freshman in college, they, uh, they, some guys would kind of innocuously play the tune and expect me to start dancing to it. And then I'd run after them and uh, try to punch them. Um, and so, all right. So, you know, mine <laughs> now, true. you know, we're talking about external culture. What yeah. are your tracks? Give me some juicy tracks, for example. Probably not super juicy. Um... For my freshman year, I was gonna use DJ Gotta's Fallen in Love Again. I was listening to that freshman in middle year. school, but I think in high school I was like still It came out yeah. in two thousand ten. You were you were in high school in two thousand ten. But okay, okay, okay. That's interesting. No, no, definitely not. It's not it's not like updated. It's just like that's oh, when I like that's when you, that's it. when you started listening. that's when you started vibing to it. Okay. Okay. I probably didn't listen to like non Christian music until I was like in high school. Because before then, it had to be, like, super on the DL. Because, like, my parents didn't really know if, like, they wanted us to uh, listen to music that was not Christian. But then when I was in high school, I was like, I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but even still, there's, like, it takes time to, like, learn to like music. And mm-hmm. so I think... Like sophomore year, probably I listened to like a lot of Rend Collective. So uh, probably stick with something from that album. Um, I don't know, junior year, maybe some Macklemore. Um, Macklemore. Oh man, that's <laughs> I hate to say it, but that's a lot of um. <laughs> That that oh uh went oh oh and senior year okay Harry Connick Jr. I like really started liking Harry Connick Jr. my senior year. Who's that? I'm not really and sure what's why. This? What what are these, what are these songs? Um, he originally was like most of his music was jazz, and now and then it became more poppy. I think. So, mm-hmm. I'll send you some of the stuff. Like all right, music. all right, interesting. Uh, so music, hey, uh, okay. So you just named me four influential tracks. <sighs> I don't know why I'm talking about music. Uh, so here, just because I think it's it's such a crucial. Yet, yeah, like we don't really talk about the power of it, because when you get to college, then you mm-hmm. you you suddenly realize how big music actually is, how big the music world is. You know, even at a place like where we went. People have very, very different tastes. Um, yeah. So I'm pretty sure we could go ahead, like, when you think Taylor, 
what are musical artists that come to mind that are synonymous with Taylor? Try not to name any Christian ones, but go ahead. Like for me, when I think Taylor, I think Imagine Dragons. Really? I think 21 Pilots. That's so funny. 21 Pilots for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't hate 21 Pilots. Thing. It's just I find it weird. It's all, it, it's, there's, there's, a, there's a genre at Taylor. And that genre definitely ain't Drake. I think of like Taylor Swift. Yeah. Taylor Swift, especially for them women. Yeah. And a few guys I know on Broho. Friggin if you, I bet there's several dudes. Oh, there's a lot. They're, they're, Alexis, I, I went to school. I had a, my roommate for three years had a giant Frozen poster. There's nothing that is sacred. There, there's nothing that is uh, nothing to hide. Everything exposed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. People lived <laughs> it on their sleeves. Um. Yeah. I don't know. Lots of indie music. I feel like, like the stereotypical Taylor genre. Why is that so? Is that just an extension of like suburban, like the suburban experience? It's because I know so many suburban yeah. students or kids that are really, really into hip hop, really, really into jazz. But there seems to be this kind of lingering, kind of stereotype. That everything has to be mm -hmm. indie, kind of almost hipster, but not really. Uh, very kind of, <laughs> there's this grungy kind of image. Yeah, grunge. Kind of the, you know, it was grunge in the 90s, and it became something else in the mid-2000s. And then the 2010s kind of ushered in this kind of poppy, loud vocals, echoey vocals kind of thing. That's why I say Imagine Dragons. Because that style where you have like kind of percussive, like percussion and drums, echoey. Yeah. I feel it in my bones. It's just, you know, this loud kind of, ugh. You know. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that might just be me typecasting a lot of Taylor and being somewhat ignorant to taste. Because, <laughs> <laughs> and we're not even talking about the Christian stuff yet, you know? But. Yeah. Did you know, um, I didn't know this up until like three or a month ago, but supposedly like there's this huge, uh, Bethel versus Bethel, uh, Hillsong kind of thing where people aren't really singing it anymore because they don't agree with what the pastors are saying. Have you heard about this? Oh yeah. I didn't know this was people a thing. People are boycotting the music. Yeah. I, I. It's a complete surprise to me. I never thought the lyrics yeah. were like horrible or heretic in any way, but yeah, I that's that's a whole nother discussion because I personally think that even some secular songs can be songs of worship, um, As and like. it doesn't have to be. Um, so I know quite a few. Uh, you know, take six this very famous vocal group back in the back in the 90s and 80s they took a bunch of pop songs and they made it like you do you know take six at all they're like one of the most successful acapella groups of all time like they have so many grammys i probably would recognize their yeah. music if i heard it but yeah me. yeah i know i know that is an entirely different conversation yeah. but for taylor it's just such a interesting way to analyze you know 
that somewhat culture kind of culture clash. Um, yeah, we're just at a hour here, so I know I don't want to take up too much of your time. Uh, thanks again, honestly, for joining. Um, kind of as a closing subject, uh, or not closing subject. One one of the ways I kind of want to one of the most important questions I have to ask before we end. What do you tell someone who, you know, okay, he's, this is a person who's been to college with us. Not, okay, I'm not talking about a real person, just like hypothetical, okay? Like a person. to be like, wow, narrowed it down. No, no, no. Like who, what do you tell someone who's been told their whole life, you have to travel uh, to experience life, but then this person is too poor to travel. Um, You know, like he is fortunate enough he got into college mm-hmm. on a scholarship or whatnot. He's from like Podunk Mary. He's he's from like a small town kind of America. And all the narrative that he's heard at college is mm-hmm. that you have to travel. You have to go other to other places to get other perspectives. What do you say to that? Um because yeah, the reason I yeah. ask is because it all it always kind of bothered me this notion of lighthouse kind of culture where people would beg, people would kind of Oh, hey, to, in order to put your faith at another level, you need to travel and do this lighthouse experience. I'm like, well, actually, there's there's this orphanage in Marion that might need your help a little more than whatever it is you're doing overseas. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think I'm asking a bunch of questions 100%. at once. but Yeah. What do you say to the whole, like, have to travel in order to see like uh, different perspectives? I very much value different perspectives but i think um and i also value travel i mean like most of my life has been like traveling like i feel like i've had a very nomadic upbringing Mm -hmm. and so like even the whole like i just don't have money to travel well like since my life was traveling like um i think there's like a cheaper way to do it other Mm -hmm. than like going to like bali and living in a villa for a month you know like Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be that um but if if the focus or the the point of traveling is to gain a new perspective, um, I would say that as Christians, like we're doing that or we should be doing that every day. Because um, I mean, like studying the Bible, like it was not written to Americans like living in the 20th century, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was. So that in itself understand the context of it is a cultural endeavor a cross-cultural endeavor and Mm -hmm. so i think that that's a huge example of just like we can um read and experience a different culture and learn from it and like our lives can be changed from like Mm -hmm. that different perspective then why can't it be changed from um other people's experiences so like you did not grow up like you grew up in thailand right and so someone can may not be able to go to thailand but like hearing about your experiences and mm-hmm. um about like your home that can give you a window an idea into um like your perspective and someone else's perspective of someone who also maybe grew up in thailand and mm-hmm. so i think that especially because of the internet we live in an age where like we um don't value the resources that we have enough because they're constantly there Mm -hmm. but i think books podcasts um music studying languages or even um 
like what economic demographic did you grow up in live in a different one you know like if you oh i live in a very different one live <laughs> yeah and yeah. so like you can very easily i mean even going from like i it wasn't until like I was in college that I actually went into like the countryside of America and I like saw what it was like to like have a farm in the South and like they actually sit in rocking chairs on their porch and they eat like chicken and dumplings, but the dumplings are like, they're not like Asian dumplings. Like they don't have anything in them. So like that was like a totally different perspective. And so like you don't necessarily have to take a plane to be in a completely different neighborhood mm -hmm. and hear even different languages. I know like where I live in Aurora, like if I go four blocks to the right from my house, like I am in a neighborhood that's like mostly everyone there speaks Spanish. The neighborhood that I'm in now, like there's a lot of Indians all around us. Um, and well, if I go four blocks to the left, yeah, there's, it's like mostly white people. And so like, mm -hmm. I, I don't think it's difficult now to gain new perspective if that's truly what you're searching for. But I think the key is if you, if you want to understand a different perspective, like you have to have that desire to understand. And mm -hmm. if you don't have that desire, then like, you're not going to understand. So I think it just depends on the level of desire you have for a different or new perspective than your own. It's a good way of going about it, intentionality. But yeah, I guess in a as a funny story, I it always sort of bothered me that uh there there were lots of people at the place that we went to school like that had this idea that to experience to have that perspective, you needed to get on a plane. I think that's what I'm trying to get at here is you don't. Because mm. I, I, for three out of the four years that I was, um, three out of, for three years or so, I played at a Pentecostal church. Uh, I played drums for a Pentecostal gospel church. Oh, man, it, it's a world of difference <laughs> every single Sunday. You may have gone to one before. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, downtown Tabernacle in the heart of Marion. There's what not one the downtown Tabernacle oh. in Marion. I don't know if you've ever been there. Yeah, um, but I think I I've visited a few times. I would have known if you've been there once because uh, I played every single Sunday for three years. Um, but yeah, it's such a world of difference, and it would always Sunday afternoons, like Sunday lunch, would always be so jarringly hard because there's not one sunday that goes by at that church or rarely that someone doesn't cry you know it's a very kind of broken neighbor broken kind of community yeah. lots of broken brokenness and you know you go from that type of an environment very spiritually charged where you invite the presence of god or whatnot right and you go back to taylor and everyone's very smiley happy hey how's it going and you're just like oh I just saw a woman like scream at the top of her lungs. <laughs> she was so upset at like mm, yeah. you know, the outbreak of meth in, in certain community and whatnot. But I like what you said. Cause it always I you know, funny story there. This is one student, I'm not gonna name him, but this dude was trying to get me to do like a lighthouse trip slash study abroad thing 
in Ireland. Now, not that I have any problem with studying abroad, but guess what, buddy? Like, I'm kind of already doing it, you know? Like, oh, there's the tea. I'm, I'm kind of already doing it. And uh, he flat out told me, the student, this guy flat out told me, oh, this doesn't really count. I looked him square in the eye. I'm like, you've got to be out of your goddamn mind. Like, like. The idea of, of proposing an international study or a study abroad to an international student. Um, like the thought of going yeah. to England on top of already being in America. Do you know how expensive <sighs> it is? Like it, it, it's right. just what I'm getting at. Travel is notoriously expensive. Yeah. And I feel like Instagram like kind of perpetuates the whole, oh, if you're not traveling in life, you're not successful. If right. travel was successful, yeah. you and I would be millionaires. You know, if that was the kind of the root of success, hey, guess what? Like, I've been to Japan six times. Yeah. I've been to England. I've been to France. I've been to freaking Dubai. I've been to yeah. California. I've been to Wisconsin. It's just like, it's not the measure of success. But I feel like a lot of teenagers, especially right. growing up now with Instagram, they see pictures of people in Rome. You know, Drake yeah. has this wonderful, in yeah. his song, Emotionless, he has this really interesting lyric where he says, you know, I knew a girl that all she wanted to do was go to Rome. I'm paraphrasing. But once she got to Rome, all she did was take her pictures on her phone to send it to her friends. And like, yeah, after she, after she got back from Rome or whatnot, she would uh, save the pictures and post them every now and again to pretend like she was on the go. Like, you know, that she, that, that picture slash that image, Drake, like, you know, we, we all have different thoughts on him, but that one song, Wow, that hit me hard. Just like, cause I I know so many uh, people like that, you know, people that are jealous of people like you and me. When really, there's really not a whole lot to be jealous about. It's it's, a, it's an experience that is gained, which is why I, as the years went on at Taylor, I got so kind of uncomfortable with the fact of you know the us and them international student and them kind of mentality, because at at a certain point, I I think I figured out like people are people. Travel from Bangkok yeah. to freaking Indianapolis to Hodunk, Indi- Indiana, Indiana, people are the same. You know, it, it's just, I, yep. and that's why to a large extent as an international student, as the years went on, I sort of like kind of chose not to interact as much with, you know, ISO or ISU or, you know, Mukapa I kept in good touch with, because guess what? Mukapa is very diverse. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? But like... <laughs> international student union or whatnot like it just felt weird to like yeah we're asian yeah or asia whatnot or like these 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 student organizations i'm not bash i'm not trying to bash them at all just for me like as the years went on it's like well you know these guys are my friends now i I can't really say i'm different than them because not you know go to class Mm -hmm. we have to you know stuff like that i don't know if that was yeah. ever the case for you, and you, you're not there anymore, obviously. But um, a little before we go, let's talk a little bit about your major. Uh, what 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 you did there, for example, and kind of what you want to. Um, I know this is kind of a lofty question because of COVID. You know, there, there's there's a bunch of things that have changed your career goals and your future goals for the time being. But kind of bring me up to speed. But um, yeah. What's going on with you? Like, like how, 
where do you go from here? Because guess what? You and I are in the same boat. You know? Almost. <laughs> Almost. Yep. But yeah, you're not lo- no longer a tailor anymore. Um, congrats. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, so, what happens now, basically? You. And you, you can get a long or a short answer. You don't even have to answer the question if, if you're uncomfortable with it. Just, you know, what's going on? No, yeah, I mean, I was majoring in anthropology and sociology at Taylor. Mm-hmm. Um, I went there for two years and um, dropped out. And I don't yeah, feel don't feel bad. It's been about very that. freeing. For, no, I I yeah. don't. I I Good. think it's very interesting. Some people feel very bad for me, and I'm like, hmm, you really don't know me. <laughs> no, um, but yeah. for like, even for like Taylor students who might be listening, like I. I really enjoyed my time there and like it was not a mistake at all but it very much like even though it was two years and I did not walk away with the degree I still feel like my my season there um came to an end and it's finished um so super thankful for my time there um yeah and there's a lot of questions like what do I want out of my career what do I want to do what do I need to make that happen? And all I have is like this super um, general, non-specific answer is that I really like people and I really like to be around them and to help that's them That's very out. obvious. That's very obvious. No, that's a great <laughs> answer. You couldn't have given yeah. a more Alexis answer. You are very good for people. Uh, <laughs> People all have different types of backgrounds too. I mean, you you tend to attract yeah. a lot of interesting personalities. We'll get to that after <laughs> after true. this podcast has ended. Not too too much of your time there, but no, like <laughs> that's a great answer. Uh, that will yeah. lead to options because the number one thing that kind of destroys a lot of people, um, when when they don't have like an immediate goal is, look at me, I'm talking like I know what I'm saying, but like <laughs> if you don't. It's hard because there are a lot of non-people person people, non-people people, and they're just as much needed in society as people as okay, introverts. They're they're much right. they're a crucial part of society as much as extroverts, you know. And you you kind of strike me yeah. as the kind of half balance. You can go, you can you can go at it a hundred percent. You're about it, but at the same time, you're you can you also you're also ambidextrous. You know, you cop the money with both hands. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yep. <laughs> that is, oh, I dropped the Floyd Mayweather quote on you. Yikes. Um, yeah. So, okay. Anthropology <laughs> and sociology at Taylor. Um, yeah. At a, at a school. Well, how was your experience? Right. What was your experience with that kind of, um, track? Like, did you, did you learn anything you didn't before, especially with using Taylor as kind yeah. of a Petri dish? You did? Um, Definitely. I think that it was really helpful in understanding um, that there are people and their cultures and then there are also systems within the culture. Um, and so that's like anthropology, people and cultures, and then sociology is like the, the systems within mm-hmm. that. And so I, I think I, I really appreciate it because I feel like my whole life I've been studying people and cultures. Like my whole life has been like an anthropology mm-hmm. major, essentially. Like I just have so many influences and experiences there. But then 
to kind of break it down and like take the culture and the people and like um because i feel like i sort of take culture personally almost so like Mm -hmm. wherever someone is from or like their experiences i want to like hold up a banner and like be excited and like be in that with them and like share those experiences with them um and so then when a system is failing it was hard for me to separate the system from the culture and like not be offended and be like are you blaming the culture right now because like the culture is incredible this is like how it is like great and these are the benefits that like you have not experienced because you're not in this culture but it really helped me to understand um um are very different and um just to separate that and to break it down um yeah so i felt like i still feel like it was very valuable mm-hmm. um just time and i learned a lot and i'm still very interested in the subject um but yeah, right now I'm just kind of switching gears. Um, That's fine. I'm taking an EMT class while I'm waiting. Um, okay. I might move to France. That stuff is kind of pending. Global Ooh. pandemic slowing me I'm down. Excited. But yeah, I'm sorry by the way. Yeah, yeah. That, that, it's 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 it has been rough. Like, please know you're not the only one whose plans have gotten <laughs> derailed. It's you know me trying to be a sports oh, yeah. tra- sports journalist or whatnot earlier this year. Right when COVID started happening, I was really wanting to cover high school games. You know, it was right around the time high school basketball had its tournament season. And these are crucial games. You know, these are games that right. colleges use as like kind of a petri dish to how students perform and whatnot. And that all shut down just like that. Yep. And I didn't anticipate that I'd be working at a grocery store, you know, but hey, that's where life has us right now. And yep, just, yeah, exactly. So, hey. You, uh, we've just passed an hour 30. You did an hour 30. You are a complete natural. You are, you are as advertised when I thought to have you on as far as, uh, your knowledge base and just your learning experience. Do stick around, uh, after this. I do want to touch base with you a little more, but Alexis Ale, this has been the Crunchy Take 16. Thanks for joining. Thanks for being on. Yeah, thanks. you. been good, James. All right. All right, guys, that's the crunchy take for this week. And uh, tune in next week for, I don't know, maybe a coach that I'm trying to bring up. But, yep, catch you guys later.